Welcome along to the Gardening Program here on Midwest Radio on the Saturday morning. Pori Corkin, good morning. Good morning. How are things? Great. Fantastic. Yeah. Busy. Busy week? Busy week, yeah, yeah, quite a busy week, and uh, I suppose the the weather has been um, one thing. I've had, I do, I have noticed over the last week that um, growth is very strong. So plants are really uh, growing very, very strongly after I suppose the the last ten days of of wet, cool weather. Um, but a busy time, yeah. You know, I did mention last week that uh, blight was certainly there was Met Airden had issued a blight warning, and we're seeing quite a bit of blight around at the moment. And uh, fungal diseases in general, powdery mildew and uh, black spot. And so are we like are we still okay to treat all? Oh, of we those are. We should or, be treating. Yeah, we should be tr- treating. It, particularly, you know, when you get a, a dry spell like we have this morning, it's a good idea to go out and just put a preventative spray on things like roses and potatoes and tomatoes and general plants that some sometimes uh, succumb to disease during the summertime in particular. But really great planting weather. The soil conditions are, you know, the moisture level is just perfect at the moment. So for listeners, you know, maybe thinking of putting in a new lawn or uh, the sowing of of lawn seed in particular. Um, I mentioned last week the sowing of kind of spring flowering plants like the wallflowers and sweet williams. So generally the germination and sowing of plants, uh, soil conditions are great for if people want to put, say, vegetable plants in Mm -hmm. the garden, great planting conditions at the moment. But even for traditional things like uh, broadleaf trees, shrubs, hedging, really, really good planting soil conditions. Soil is quite warm and yet there's enough moisture there without it being excessively wet. So the soil is very workable at the moment. Okay. And um, so really good planting conditions. And when we get those kind of cooler temperatures, growth kicks off again and um, plants tend to settle in very well. So they're not under that kind of heat stress that we had you know, for or that dry period we had. Did we have heat? Did well, we have heat stress? That, that, that dry <laughs> period we had for maybe five or six weeks, plants were beginning to to suffer so a small mo- bit under moisture that. stress or a lack moisture of moisture. Anyway. Yeah. Is probably a better way to describe it. Um, so look at really great planting weather, Deirdre, at the moment. Um, great, great for putting in new lawns. Great for sowing sowing of seeds, and also for propagating plants. I noticed one or two questions this morning on taking slips of plants and when to propagate plants. And this, as we go into late June um, and, you know, the, the, the end of June, early July, it's a really great time for propagating your some of your favourite plants. So even common things like roses or hydrangeas or fuchsia, um, they root very readily from small cuttings at this time of year because you've got the temperatures and the plants are actively growing and they tend to kick into growth very easily. So even simple plants like geraniums, if you want to propagate a few, those sort of plants can be slipped or taken from cuttings at this time of year. It's also the time for roses. Yes, and and we've brought in a lovely rose. I I was in the garden centre last night and again, I mean, the scent is just fabulous from many of the different varieties. But this one caught my eye. It's a variety called Rachel, Rose Rachel. And I know when when you just put it in there now Mm. and I said, well, that looks like a real old style rose. And it is an old style rose, you tell me, but it's not an old rose per se. No, it's not. It's a relatively new variety, Rachel. It's a hybrid tea rose, which means it produces these large. Now, this particular one I cut is a small bud just beginning to open, but the flowers are already three to four inches in diameter. And when it's fully mature, the flower will be certainly nearly up to six inches in diameter. So it's a bleak, blousy rose. It's got shades of peach, pink and white and it tends to, you see the different colours yeah. as, as it opens. Um, but the scent is absolutely fantastic and the rose itself grows to about three feet so it's it's nice and compact, doesn't get too 
big, but still it's a very nice It kind of reminds me a little bit of a raspberry ripple ice cream. That's a great way to describe it, absolutely. Look at the back the back petals the of back that really... Pet- yeah, so there's really creamy, they're, they're like almost like vanilla, yeah. for want of a better description. <laughs> Sorry, I, know, I always bring it down to food. Uh, <laughs> and um, then you have this, like, this, it's the, the, the outer part of, of the leaves is is almost deep red. red I mean, it yeah, it's a yeah. kind in of... In bud, yeah. yeah, when they're in bud, they're actually... They're, they look you like look as if you're going to get a very dark yeah. flower, but an actual but raspberry fact. ripple is a great description. Yeah, so, so it's a really of, nice, yeah. really nice variety. Very good for disease resistance. Um, so rose Rachel, really nice rose. Mm. Great time to plant it at this time of year. Uh, but the scent is absolutely. And the scent, I am. Um, I'm getting that, and it is. It's a real rose. If real you're a fan rose. of ro- the smell of roses, yeah. it really is fabulous. Yeah. So that's a good variety to plant now. But look, there's lots of other. Um, very good scented varieties like Fascination and um, Freywood Cloud and Arthur Bell. I think I mentioned a good few of them last year. It's a nice time to visit the garden centres because you can actually obviously see the roses in flower. You can smell the roses and, and select a variety that um, maybe suits your garden. So they're the type of things in general, dear, that people should be focusing on. Um, so really it's, it's the planting, the sowing of plants um, uh, planting of vegetables, herb plants can be planted now. If you've got herbs in the garden this time of year in mid-June is a good idea to trim them back, start pruning them back and tidying them back a little bit because um, it tends to encourage a lot of new growth if you trim them now. Okay. And obviously you can use those the, those clippings from sage and rosemary for use in the kitchen or you can freeze them for use later on or dry them for use later on. But it also encourages a lot of new growth that you'll use in August and September of this year. So the trimming back of herbs at this time of year is is an excellent idea as well. But really the main point is that it's fantastic planting weather. So if you're thinking about it, hedges, trees, shrubs in general, roses, whatever it may be, some bedding plants, um, this is, it's certainly excellent planting conditions. Also for the feeding of plants. Plants are, I did mention that I've noticed a lot of new growth and there is strong growth at the moment. So this again with the moisture that we've had, if you need to feed your lawn and give it a boost and and green it up, um, if it's showing a lot of clover, it's a sign that the lawns are hungry at this time of year. So it's a good time to give them a feed. And also for the general feeding of trees and shrubs in general. So plants that are flowering or producing new new leaf growth, this is a great time. So if you want to give your hedge a bit of a boost or roses a bit of a boost or trees and shrubs in general, then put on the Osmo Pro 6 and a handful around the basewood now. It'll wash, wash in um, within, within a couple of days and it's there available to the plants ready to go. Perfect. So lots, lots, so there lots of to, things yeah. to really just boost things on and keep it nice and lush. Exactly. And, and, and just spread it out, I suppose, give it a bit of longevity. Exactly. So the planting and the feeding and, and do keep an eye on the um, plants that are maybe a little bit susceptible to disease at the moment, particularly potato plants, maybe some fruiting plants. Keep an eye on those. Put on um, just a, fun, a fungal treatment just to keep them clean. Okay, I had I have to say I had the first um, harvest of potatoes from my mother's garden. Oh, I do, yeah. What variety? Yeah, so there were home guards. A home guard, yeah. very good. Yesterday very evening. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're absolutely the fab. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, yeah. So, so you brought just... a few in for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid the yield was limited. <laughs> It only, just, it only just did the dinner, but they were delicious. Well, the Home Guard is a yeah. grand, it's a real old, yeah. old, I think it goes back to the war, that variety. It's, I think that's it how has it got that its kind, name. Well, it has kind of a dad's army type name. It yeah, does give it has. you that sense. Home so Guard, right. I'm nearly Home certain guard, okay. it goes back right yeah. back to World War One, I, I think, right. um, from memory. So an, an early variety. To a real early variety. Probably. It's one of the first early varieties that, that you see for sale, um, certainly. But so. uh, good. I'll, 
Yeah, so my, my mother said, you better mention that now tomorrow. <laughs> Home Guards. Well, quite great. delighted with the I success. Mean, that's quite early, you know, yeah. in, in the middle of June oh, for the well. west of Ireland to have, have first early yeah. potatoes. Yeah. She's obviously done a good job. Yep, so hopefully great. just the first of many, many dinners like that. Anyway, big range of questions. Lots Plenty of vegetables. Of yeah, lots of vegetable oh, questions there. Year, I suppose. I suppose it you is. You probably triggered it off with the Home Guard. <laughs> maybe I did. And maybe I suppose, No, I think a few of these were in before I okay. mentioned Home Guards. Um, okay, so, and a couple of raised bed questions. So mm. I might try and bring these together a little bit if I can. First of all, I've raised veg beds that I just won't get to plant this year. Can I spray them to stop the weeds from coming or what else can I do to keep them clean of weeds? And I suppose in a similar vein, uh, we have somebody with uh, vegetable plants in an area, well, I suppose not necessarily raised beds. No, we'll talk about raised beds first of all. And raised beds are are a great way to to grow vegetables, you know, for the typical household um, with our smaller families nowadays. You know, a raised bed of maybe eight, eight feet long by Four, three or four feet wide will grow as much veg as, as you want for any household. So it's a super way to grow them. Um, and look, the, the listener, it's not too late to certainly plant up veg beds. But if you're not going to get round to it, rather than spraying it with weed killer, you could simply just rake off the bed and put on some of the mypex material or plantex material. So that's that woven membrane that if you put on the surface of the soil will allow air and moisture to pass through so the ground won't sweat but it will stop light getting down to any of the weed seedlings and once they germinate, they'll die away. So that's a great way just to keep it weed-free. And then you can peel back the plantex material and and plant it then in in the autumn or the spring of next year. And the other thing you could do, if you've got time, is just to put on some simple green manure. So you could use the phacelia or red clover or any of the green manures. And so what you would do there is just rake the bed off, sow the seed, it would take you 10 minutes to sow the seed, rake it in, let them germinate and let that crop of green manure grow in the beds for the remainder of this year. And you can simply dig that back into the soil and it's there. It's adding fertiliser and adding manure and it helps to suppress any weeds that may come. So either the Mypex material, which is that Plantex Mm. material, um, put a little bit of gravel on the top of it, that'll keep it in place and that'll stop the weeds from growing. Well, if they do grow, they'll, they'll die because of the lack of light. light yeah. Or else put a crop of, of green manure. It's a great organic way of keeping the bed weed-free and also adds lots of nutrition to the soil. So Great ha- for bees as well. You'll encourage all the bees, bees into your garden. Because you have the little flowers yeah, on yeah, those. Yeah. Um, and can the green manure, the facility can be uh, sown at any time? Janet? It can. Yeah. Literally any time of year. It's, it's one of these plants that, um, again, I think I mentioned to you that when I was in bloom, two weeks ago, three weeks ago now, in the Victorian garden, that a whole crop of phacelian flower, which is a blue flower, grows to about 18 inches in height, absolutely covered in bees. So mm. that was obviously sown in February, which was in flower for June. So if you sow it now, it'll be in flower by September and continue to flower right up to November. And then you dig it into the soil and then it adds, the key thing is that it adds nutrition to the soil. The soil. So, the, you know, and lots of them, um, anything in the pea family, so... Um, Red clover, white and red clover also add lots of manure to the soil as well. So you buy it as as green manure, a couple of different varieties, and you literally just chuck it on the top of the surface of the the soil. It germinates within two or three weeks. It grows green for maybe another six weeks and then comes into flower. Okay. And once it's in flower, then the bees do their... The bees come along, they pollinate the flowers, and then the plant kind of sets seed. It dies, it starts to die back. You can can dig it back back into the soil. Yeah, you can actually dig it in the green as well when when you don't have to wait for the flowers to come out. You can actually literally let it grow maybe five or six inches high and then just dig it back in. The other plant that was used in the Victorian garden was borage. 
blue borage, which again is a fantastic bee plant, but again is used as a green manure. So they're used like a cover crop. So it, it because they're so vigorous, the weeds can't really compete with them. So a lot of organic growers, and, and in the Victorian Garden in, in um, the Phoenix Park, which is free, by the way, if people are in Dublin, you want to pop in and have a look at it, um, they use the green manures, they, they um, do crop rotation. So they move the green manure around. So in one area of the Victorian Garden, they'll sow it this year, next year it'll be in a different spot. So it'll... You know, so they're, they're kind of feeding the, they're feeding the, the, the soil. soil all the time. Yeah, they're probably following the potato. As the potato crop moves around the garden, they're planting the potatoes in different areas to stop the build-up of diseases and problems. Because if you're growing the same potato crop in the same piece of ground, mm. tip for your mother, is that you know, you're going to exhaust the soil, obviously, of those nutrition. Yeah. of that. So you're always better where you put potatoes in and put something like carrots or, or parsnips in the following year. A totally different crop that uses different nutrition and uh, has different, maybe, you know, carrots and parsnips don't suffer from potato blight type of thing. So if you do good crop rotation, you tend to keep your garden in better condition. And then by sowing the green manure crop in between, you know, moving into different areas, you're, 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 you're fertilising, yeah, yeah. you're, you're adding nutrition. And I suppose really, you know, that's a very organic way of great gardening. Way. Yeah, And it's a great way to keep the garden relatively clean and free. You know, the, you'll have the odd weed coming up, but overall it'll be relatively clean, tidy, and they'll look pretty as well. It looks great, the whole crop of facili or borage or any of red clover, any of those green manures. So I suppose my advice is possibly if you're more organically um, minded, get rake off that bed now, get a, a packet of seed. As, as I said earlier, it's perfect weather for the sowing of seed. Chuck it on, rake it in. It'll be up in two or three weeks and it'll keep the bed relatively weed-free for you for the rest of the summer. And just when, when you do come to digging it back into the ground then, how long does it take for it to decompose? Or yeah, It'll decompose within a couple of weeks. Okay. I mean, you literally just dig it in. Just yeah. dig it into the soil. You bury it into the soil and you can actually plant straight away if you wish. So if the listener was inclined to maybe put in winter onion sets, for example, which are normally planted in... October, November, um, then they, you know, they could they could literally do that at that time of year. Or winter lettuce or winter onions. There's lots of plants that can be actually planted in the autumn or winter when the listeners possibly more time. Now, uh, kind of following on from that, uh, looking to plant some new vegetable plants into an area that I planted your green manure in in February. Oh, right. Okay, oh, great. so yeah, that's yeah, yeah. it's kind of come full cycle. Yeah, um, it's now dug into the soil. I'm thinking about sprouts and kale. Am I too late? No, you're not. It's a perfect time for actually planting them. Like sprouts are generally harvested in you know November. December for Christmas period. So if you plant the plants now, they've got plenty of time yet to grow and they are a winter vegetable and it can be used in February and March as well. So things like Savoy cabbage could be planted now. Any of the winter lettuce can actually be sown from seed now and winter onions can be sown from seed now. But the plants of kale, the plants of Brussels sprouts, the plants of winter cabbage, they're all available now. They're about six or seven inches high. Plant them into the ground. They'll start to produce. If you plant now, they'll certainly be producing their sprouts and kale by October, November of this year. Which is perfect. Perfect, yeah. Perfect. Ideal. You know, some of the winter carrots could be planted now. So there's lots there's lots of vegetable plants that can actually both plants and seed they can be sown at this time of year. Now, and I might be incorrect in my pronunciation here. I recently bought some bucus. Yeah, some bucus. Some yeah, bucus, yeah. okay. Uh, black lace and black beauty. Yeah. Are these easy to take cuttings from? Tell us about well, some when I first saw some the word bucus. I just <laughs> 
I presumed it was Sambuca. I said, is that, a joke? is that a joke question? We occasionally get them. No, no, no. Sambuca, Sambuca is the drink, isn't it? Sambuca is the Sambucus, drink. Sambuca is, is actually the elder flower. You know the elder that elder flower that you see in flower at the moment? It's got the beautiful white flowers. People often make wine from the flowers or often make wine from the berries. So it's one of these um, na- native, well, it's, it's, a, it's a hedgerow plant that we'd see flowering at this time of year. So beautiful, creamy flowers uh, on foliage that's very similar to ash. It's got that okay. kind of um, leaflets along. So a very simple plant to grow. Um, and this particular variety, this is um, Sambuca Black Lace, has got dark chocolate coloured leaves. Sounds fab. So the purple, purpley chocolate, burgundy coloured leaves that are dissected, very similar to a Japanese maple, that type of look, but a bit darker than that, more, you know, chocolate coloured. And generally speaking, they have either white or pink flowers, depending on the variety. Um, So um, pink lace has lovely um, dark chocolate foliage with pink flowers and that serrated leaf. Um, the other one is Black Beauty, which has more of a compound leaf, which means it has a larger leaf, similar dark colour, and again, nice pink flower. So both very easy shrubs to grow. So they're as easy to grow as the wild elder, not as vigorous. You've got great foliage colour and lovely pink flowers. And I would plant them with yellow foliage plants like Choicea Sundance or Escalonia Gold Brian or Spotted Laurels for the contrast in colours. Um, so very simple to grow. They do respond to pruning on a regular basis. So they're in flower at the moment. Let them bloom. And then as we come into winter, cut them back. But this is a super time to take slips, right. little slips from them or okay. little cuttings. So what you take is literally pencil length, pencil thick. Ideally shoots that don't bear any flowers or if the flowers are there, remove the flowers. Strip off the leaves apart from one leaf at the very tip of the plant. Dip it into some rooting powder and into a pot the size of a cup. You can put certainly seven or eight cuttings into that, into moist compost. Cover it with a polythene bag. Sit it on a windowsill indoors. It'll root in three weeks' time or four weeks' time. You've got yourself new Sambucus plants. So it's a really, they're they're a very, very nice plant. Um, So Sambucus... uh, Pink lace or per- black beauty, two lovely plants to, to grow at this time of year. And they'll grow in any type of soil, you know, but you've got the foliage, you've got the flower, very simple plant to grow. Great. Now, uh, and in general, the, 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 the slipping, I think I said that at the start of the programme, this is the time of year. If you have a favourite fuchsia plant or you have a favourite geranium or hydrangea, you know, this is the time to take the cuttings from them, but do remember to remove the flower, remove most of the foliage apart from one leaf. If it's got a large leaf like hydrangea, slice it in two with the scissors. So literally just leave one leaf right at the top of the cutting and cut half the leaf in half because you're, you're reducing the amount of uh, transpiration, the, the loss of water. So you're cutting down on the leaf surface. So, so the bigger the leaf, the more water that's going to be lost from the cutting. So if you just re- remove as much leaves as possible, bar one, and just cut the leaf in half if it's a large leafed plant. So all the energy really is going to be focused on the root structure exactly. of that, the creating, creating the root. Exactly. And you dip it in rooting powder and a small tub of rooting powder will cost you a couple of euro but you'll get hundreds and hundreds of cuttings. So it's a great time of year. Your favourite rose. It's a good time to, to propagate it from, from slips as well. Okay. So give them a go, give them a try right. this time of year. Slugs and snails fairly busy at the moment. They sure are. Yeah, uh, we have somebody who says they seem to be coming out of the woodwork. Any tips on how to curtail and particularly interested in an organic solution? Okay. Yeah, yeah, there's a plenty of organic uh, methods to control them. And really with this sort of weather, slugs and snails are, I suppose, feeding both day and night. When we, when we have the dry period, 
uh, they only come out at night time because they need, they need moisture and coolness to be able to move about. So you are seeing a lot of activity on things like dahlias and hostas and any of those softer plants. Slugs and snails just love them. And of course, the next generation of slugs are out munching away as well. Um, organic met- methods, there's a, a pellet made by Neerdorf which is an organic pellet and it's got the organic um, association symbol on it. Again, it looks like the traditional pellet, but it it is organic um, and it's very safe to use, very safe around pets, children, birds, da-da-da-da, but it does control the slugs very well. And little and often is the trick, like we mentioned before, small amounts on a regular basis. You can get um, copper, anything with copper in it, slugs dislike mm-hmm. because they get an electric shock from it believe it or not oh really yeah yeah, oh. yeah. it's interesting with slugs and snails they can, ac- they can actually they don't have a stomach so they, they can actually eat things like rat poison or mouse poison and it doesn't affect them but yet something like a simple piece of wire copper they get an electric shock from um, so okay. anyway so you'll often get uh, copper um, strips uh, sold in garden centres or copper tape that you can put around say pots mm. and the slugs physically won't cross them because they get this an electric usually an electric mm. shock from them um, so anything with copper in it is effective but basically what I find very useful are the um, the Neerdorf pellets use them on a regular basis and they're very safe to use and um, they're very effective both on, on slugs and snails the, there is the old traditional method of the beer Beer trap, beer trap, yeah. You know, beer in a in a cup and, and just sink it. How effective is that? Well, it, it's effective to the degree that it, you <clears> basically <throat> sink the pot of beer into the soil, and and they smell it, and they're attracted to it, and they fall in and drowned. So it has it's a, some level of control with them. But you'll find the pellets, the Neerdorf pellets, very effective. effective. They're sold in a green tub. They'll have the organic symbol on them, and um, little and often, and you, you'll get good control that way. Okay, uh, so lots, lots of different options there. Alternative water at night time and pick, pick them off. <laughs> if you want, to be, very, you want yeah. to be very organic about Salt it, is also move, effective. Move them elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so we're, we're, yeah, there's lots of options. Yeah, but uh, do keep an eye on them because they are just very destructive, particularly for smaller plants, bedding plants. An odd bit of slug damage on a, on a hosta plant isn't going to, you know, irreparably damage it, but uh, for young bedding plants and smaller plants, seedling plants, certainly you do need to keep an eye. Now, uh, all my fruit trees have lots of fruit. What food will I give them? Well, a high potash feed, so a rose fertiliser would be very good. Um, you could also use the Osmo Pro 6, which is a good, good fertiliser for fruit in general, and a, good, a very good time to feed them. And fruiting plants in general would be the strawberries or blackcurrants or gooseberries. Very, very heavy crop this year. Apples the same. So a good idea to feed them at this time of year. So a high potash feed. Um, so rose feed, normally once a month on apple trees um, and if you've got fruit in pots and containers you can lick the, liquid feed them again with a high potash feed tomato feed phosgogen um, the Osmo again liquid universal feed any of those would be very good for so if you're giving your hanging baskets a feed give the yeah, blueberries and the yeah strawberries and everything else a feed as well now uh, Bertie has a problem with a mare's tail in the garden how do we go about very common this year and again you know mare's tail it's, it's difficult to eradicate and it depends where it's growing if it's growing in areas where you don't have other plants growing so say on pathways driveways um, areas like that try or use dicoflower which is the one that we normally use for um, for the lawns it's very effective for controlling um, clover and dandelions and daisies in lawn areas. Dicoflower is very effective on mare's tail. It kills it back within a week. 
um, but it can be only used on areas that you're not growing, so don't use it in your vegetable garden or through shrubs. Um, there are other um, Roundup do one as well. It's a it's a one for tough weeds, which again would be effective on um, mare's tail. And Neerdorf, the, the company I mentioned that had mm. the slug pellets, they do one specifically for mare's tail as well. So either of the three would be effective. But the dicoflower is very effective, particularly in non-crop areas. And now is a good time to treat mare's tail because it's fully growing at the moment. And Roundup, the traditional Roundups you won't find effective or things like, um, you know, just those, any of the glyphosate-based sprays uh, are not effective okay. on, on mare's tail. So it has to be something that has a specific use or a specific um, description for mare's tail. So dicoflower or the Neerdorf one in particular are very effective. Most effective. Yeah. Right. Broom, when can I move it? Also, when is the best time to sew hedging slips? Well, the slips of hedging you can certainly take now. So things like laurel and escalonia and grisolinia and all our traditional hedging plants, they can be slipped exactly like I said for the hydrangea. Short, young cottons, cuttings can be taken at this time of year. You can also do them at the back end as well in uh, October, November as longer cuttings, maybe a foot long. So that's the time to take cuttings of, of hedging plants. Uh, what was the other Moving question? a broom. Brooms don't like to be moved. Okay. They're an, now, if it's in a pot or, uh, you know, then fine, you can transplant it today if you wish. But if it's in the ground, they're in anything in the pea family, dislike things like laburnums, bloom, brooms, dislike being moved and transplanted. Now, that's not to say that they cannot. If, and age is, is important as well. So the older <laughs> the plant is, like the less... All, like all of us. The less likely it's, it's, um, it's able to move. So brooms are just one of those plants you take a risk and transplanting it. If you've got to move it and it's in the ground, my advice is to move it in uh, February of next year, February, early March, just as it's coming into growth. So leave it for the winter and take it <coughs> up then and move it. But you, there is a risk with, with transplanting it and the older the plant is, the risk is a lot higher. Okay. So maybe buy a young plant or <coughs> take a few cuttings of the one you have. Okay. And, sta- and, and start and it off again. again. Yeah. Now, uh, any advice on shrubs for a coastal garden that sheep will not eat? Oh, well, there's, there's, uh, there's a few that, that sheep dislike, certainly. Think, there's a plant called Caryopteris, which is, um, I don't know, is there a common name for that plant? Caryopteris, it's got lovely blue flowers. It's lavender-like, um, um, you know, it's got blue flowers in, in kind of late summer, August, September. Um, so that's, that's quite a good one. Nepeta, which is the cat mint plant, the plant that cats love. Uh, the sheep dislike they tend to dislike plants that actually have um, scented foliage so Nepeta would be certainly one, Caryopteris would be one, some of the, the plants that have sharp thorns like the, in the Berberus family are, are certainly resistant to it um, and generally you find larger shrubs like things like hydrangeas once they get established, once they get two and three years under their belt the sheep tend not to be as damaging on the plant. If they eat an odd piece of it, it doesn't really matter. Formiums, the New Zealand flax, which again is a great coastal plant, is, is um, it's, it grows extremely well in coastal areas, but also sheep dislike it. So, you know, go for the traditional, I suppose, um, seaside plants that you see. Hydrangeas, that Caryoptus is very good. Nepeta is quite good. Some of the herbaceous plants as well, because even if they do damage them, they'll regrow again. So things like our hostas would be quite good. Um, so if, if some of the foliage is eaten, it's not going to uh, affect the plant long term. The plant will just regrow again and, and grow. Crocrosmia would be another one, Crocrosmia lucifer, which is lovely red flowers. Again, it, it like daffodils, it grows, it dies back in the winter and comes back okay. up in the spring again. So if it gets a small bit of damage, it's not, it's not going to be... 
it's not going it's to not, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not going affect you long term. No. Yeah. Uh, I have a large rock face with pockets of soil, a bit like a rock or a gravel bed. Okay. There's soil in the pockets between the rocks. What can I plant? So well, this is like a natural rock or absolutely. No, it's, yeah. it sounds perfect, really. Um, you can grow a, a wide range of the alpine plants, and there's a whole collection of of plants within those. So alpines come from the Alps. They grow in, in, in rock faces, in crevices and cracks, um, in small gravelly type soils. So they're like a free draining soil. So maybe in, in the areas that you've got the pockets of soil, add some grit or gravel or sand to that just to give it a little bit more drainage. But you can select plants. There's a be- beautiful plant in flower at the moment, the blue campanula, which is in full flower at the moment, really dark blue colour. It's a perennial plant. It cascades or trails very nicely over rocks and crevices um, and it'll actually get into the smallest of a crevice and kind of spread itself. Mm. So that's quite a nice plant. Um, generally speaking, you're better to plant the alpines in groups of threes or fives to create that clustered effect. But there's a whole range. If you go to your local garden centre, you'll get a range of alpine plants. Helianthemum, which is the sun rose, which is very good on, on rocks and crevices as well. Um, dianthus, anything in the dianthus family would be perfect for trailing. Um, they're all perennial, which means they come back year after year. They come in a whole range. Take the helianthemum, the rock rose. It comes in shades of white, yellows, pinks, reds, purples. So it's a, it, even in that family alone, there's got a, you've got a choice of colours. The companionists come in shades of blue, purples, whites. Dianthus come in shades of white, pinks, reds. So you know, there's a whole range of different plants and select plants that will flower at different times of the year. So the Campanula is in full flower at the moment. Dianthus are in flower and will stay in flower. Helianthemum are, are still in flower at the moment. But there's lots of spring flowering plants like Aubretia, Arabus, Yellow, Alisum, again, that will be flowering in February, March and April. So get a collection of different alpine plants. But the rock face is perfect. There are plants that are will just love that. House leeks, the Sempervirin, the old house leek that used to grow. The plant, people used to plant it on the roofs of houses. House leek. House leek. Yeah, it's like a it's like a cacti. I must bring you in one for okay, the crack. Right. So it's like a, a cacti. It looks like a cacti. It's a succulent plant. Yeah. There's an Irish name for it, and, and it the, in the Irish uh, translation, it's the, the house is mentioned in it. House leek, anyways. I, I know it by our sempervirens, and it grows like a cacti. It's an outdoor plant. It loves free draining soil, so it's brilliant in rockeries and beds. But years ago, they used to plant it on the house, on the roof of the house. And because it should grow in nothing, it'll grow in literally... A bit of moss. A bit of moss <laughs> or a, yeah, a bit of soil. And it forms this cacti-like succulent plant. Um, so we'll have to get the Irish name for it. Okay. And, uh, house leek. Yeah. House leek, yeah, or sempervirens, yeah. Um, so that could be used as well because it loves that free-draining soil. It loves to be baked in the sun in a, in a, in a, against a rock. So, and there's a whole range of different varieties in those as well. Okay, Sedums as well is another good plant that could yes, be used. So huge amount of options. Huge amount. Looking to plant an instant wall of cover pork between my house and next door. Is it possible to get plants six or seven feet high now? And when do I plant them? Well, you can plant them now. The weather conditions are absolutely ideal. And yes, you can get, um, you know... You might need a bit of a budget. Yeah, well, the, of course, the larger plants are going to cost you that little bit more, but probably a cheaper option than building a wall or building a... Well, this is true. You know, I must talk to Trump about that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> could be, trees could down be an option the there. border. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mexican trees. Oh but yes, Light you can. Light bulb going off over pork sand. They're... they're um, there certainly is. There's uh, you can get mature, large uh, hedging plants like things like common laurel, grisolinia. They're available as seven, eight foot plants um, that have been specially grown to create that 
In, instant effect. Instant effect, mm. mature hedging. Um, you, all you simply do is you dig a trench and uh, put in some fertiliser, some compost, sit the the, um, the pot of plants in and, and they'll give you, overnight, you literally have a six foot wall of foliage. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that, that's possible. And a good time to do it at this time of year. Okay. Plants will settle in well before winter. When driving, I notice some lovely dark leaved hedges, nearly black in colour or deep purple. What is the plant and are they suited to all gardens? Well, it sounds like beach, yeah, like purple bleach, purple fountain beach. So they're they are they're very very dark in colour. They're lovely at the moment, and they all, I always say they add a great contrast, I think, to gardens, particularly if you have a lawn running up to the the purple beach or, or um, it's purple beach rather than copper beach. So the colour is purple. It's that really colour of dillisk, nearly dark purple and or yeah. black in colour. Um, so yeah, the time to plant them. You can plant them at this time of year, but generally speaking, beech is planted in the autumn, October, November, and they are available as kind of four or five, six foot plants. So if you want kind of a, a fairly strong um, hedge of beech, I always like it because it's, it changes in the seasons. You know, you get the lovely kind of winter colour, autumn colour, and it's a very easy hedge to trim. And, and it does look very rich. It is. Oh, I, it's I, lovely. Yeah, it, 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 is, it does stand out and I can understand why that listener's eye is drawn You're to seeing, it at the Yeah, moment. you'll yeah. see them at the moment, yeah. Um, so that's purple beech, purple fountain. Um, you can plant it this time of year or you can plant it in the autumn. The other purple plant that comes to mind is purple berberus, which is also very nice, um, particularly if you want to kind of maybe a smaller hedge. So there, there is a variety of berberus called berberus purpurea, which has got these purple um probably a little bit brighter colour, bordering more on red, I suppose, reddy pink um, foliage, which is nice as well. Mm. And um, that's, you know, it's quite, that's another alternative to, to beach. Um, but yeah. Great. My chilli lantern tree has just finished flowering. It was beautiful, covered in lots of lanterns. Mm, what do lovely. I do to get it to flower as good next spring? Any okay. tips? Okay, well, they, they've, and most spring flowering plants flowered brilliantly this year. So the Chilean lantern is, is no different. Um, this time of year, really all you do is you feed it, liquid feed it. It is an ericaceous plant, so it likes the same feed that rhododendrons or azadas like. So pop into your local garden centre, get a little tub, either of the slow-release fertiliser, which you can simply put on the top around the the, uh, the soil of the plant and that'll work its way in, or liquid feed it with an ericaceous feed and build it up for next year. But um, they were superb this year, as most spring flowering plants were. I have cone-shaped thuya trees which have started to get brown specks on the foliage. What can I do with these, please? Well, that's actually a disease of um, thuya. So thuya, thuya smarled is this cone-shaped, perfectly cone-shaped conifer that needs no trimming. So it forms this lovely conical shape and listeners will often plant it as a formal hedge in the garden, you know, because it, it has this beautiful conical shape. And if you space the plants a metre apart, you get this really formal neat looking hedge that requires mm. little or no trimming um, but over the last couple of years they have been um, getting this uh, thuya blight so it's a blight of the foliage that basically turns the green foliage brown little brown specks through the actual okay. foliage right um, so it's a fungal disease it's a bit like um, blight or any other any other fungal disease it, it arrives on during the summers um, particularly in wet, in wet summers um, not so much last year but particularly the other summers before that where we had wet uh, Julys and August now what to do with it is first of all the plant requires it's, it's more susceptible to thuyas that are under a bit of stress so if they're not growing well they tend to succumb to it as you would expect um, but sex so feeding is, is important but secondly you can use a fungal uh, spray so there's one called fungus clear mm-hmm. which again is a liquid you mix it in water you spray it onto the foliage of the plants and that helps to arrest 
the problem. And you'd want to repeat that two or three times during the summer period. So for listeners that have Thuya Samarl or the cone-shaped Thuya, and you know, you'll know the Thuya plant because when you smell the leaves, if you crush the leaves, it smells of pineapple. Pine- oh, pineapple. Pineapple. Okay. Pineapple. Yeah, lovely sweet <coughs> pineapple Well, I think it smells like pineapple. <laughs> so that's Thuya, cone-shaped Thuya. So use fungus clear on it. It's okay. a specific fungicide for, it. actually, from memory, it states it on the pack, Thuya blight. So it's quite common at the moment and people should stop it because it will continue to spread. And you'll get these just brown patches on the Thuya. It tends to start in the bottom or the middle of the plant and spreads up sure. through it. So feed and spray with fungus clear. Now, Growing courgettes in a yes. tunnel. Yes. They have massive leaves taking okay. over. Can yes, we cut those off? Also, the courgettes seem to be going rotten before. <laughs> sorry, hang on a second. Before they grow big enough to pick, okay. what can we do to prevent this? All right. So, two, 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 not two problems, but two issues. First of all, courgettes, courgettes and marrows tend to be better grown out of doors because they just take up so much space in your tunnel. Um, so, by growing them out of doors, you keep them cooler. The leaves tend to be smaller. And um, you tend to get less problem with disease as well. So, so overfeeding or too warm a tunnel or greenhouse increases the size of the leaves. The leaves just grow massive because the plant is growing so well. Whereas out of doors, it tends to be... So my advice would be next year, grow them out of doors. Having said that, one way of putting them on a bit of a diet mm. is by cutting the leaves off because you're stopping them photosynthesizing. So t- the listener is right. Take off the leaves. That also has the effect by allowing air movement in around the base of the plant, which will stop the rotting. So they're, they're getting uh, brown rot or um, botrytis on the fruit. And generally, if, if the tunnel is very clammy, so if you walk into the tunnel, you get this clammy effect. Um, if there's a lot of moisture around, so they're wetting the plant a lot. And if you've got a lot of leaf colour, as the listener has, leaf cover, then you, you tend to get more disease problems. So that's Botrytis on, on. And the uh, courgettes and marrows are prone to them anyway. So my advice is take off some of the leaves, uh, keep the moisture levels down to a minimum. So when you're washing, just water the soil. Um, at this time of year, they shouldn't require watering more than once a week maximum. And um, if you have to, if the disease continues to be a problem, mm. you can use a fungicide, but you don't want to be really using it on edible plants. The odd rotting one, it's no harm. Dump, just cut them off, dump them, yeah. and hopefully the new ones would be fine. So reducing the foliage, cut back to the foliage, certainly 50% of the foliage, that'll certainly help. Reduce the watering, that'll certainly help. Uh, don't liquid feed them. Don't feed the plants because you're only encouraging new leaves and, and more disease problems. And give as much ventilation to the tunnel. Leave the doors and open mm. night and day okay. let the wind in through them and that'll help reduce okay, and really for next year grow tomatoes and peppers and chilies and aubergines and all those type of plants in your tunnel and keep the marrows outdoors and the courgettes outside if you are growing marrows a good idea is to lift them up off the ground and sit a pot underneath them or a brick to keep the actual fruit up off the ground okay uh, can we cu- also from the same listener can we cut excess leaves off tomato plants you can, but again, if you're overfeeding tomato plants, and again, if the conditions are similar to the marrows, where it's very clammy, humid inside, you're going to get big, big leaves at the expense of flower. So remember, you don't start feeding tomato plants until they start to form their fruit, which is around now. So when the fruit are about the size of a marble, that's the time to start liquid feeding them once a week. But up to then, no. Now, 
the, an- the answer to the question is yes, you can. If you think the foliage is ex- excessive, you can certainly cut off some of that. Okay. Um, I've got moss on my tarmac driveway. What's the best well, it's treatment? To I co- power, I've power washed it. Right, well, it's beginning to pop back again, you see, with the cool, damp weather. We're seeing moss beginning to, uh, you know, it's, it's re-emerging, as it were. Look at use the pack treatment. That's probably the best of, of the lot. Mix it up in a, in a spray machine or washing can. Apply it. The moss will be dead in two or three days. Are there garden trees that hold their leaves in winter? I want a tall tree that will provide a screen all year round, not just in summer. Yes, there are. So if you want something tall, evergreen oak is a is a lovely plant. Um, it's got dark green foliage. It holds 12 months of the year. It'll grow, ah, it'll make a big tree up to 20 feet, 25 feet. Um, so evergreen oak would be an, an option. Eucalyptus is fully evergreen, lovely blue, grey, steely blue foliage. Um, Gunneri is quite a good variety or Nicophila are both eucalyptus varieties. Both are evergreen, retain their foliage. Mm-hmm. Um, Cotoniaster canubia is a variety of Cotoniaster that will grow 15 to 18, maybe 20 feet in height. Again, retains its dark green leathery foliage 12 months of the year. It flowers, it buries. Oh, Super plant. Okay. So there are plenty of, of evergreen uh, Broad, Broadleaf broad trees, yeah, that, that can be planted. Holly would be another option. So, there, you know, go to your local garden centre, look at evergreen oak, eucalyptus, there are a couple of different varieties, and the evergreen cotoneaster. You have three great trees there that'll hold the foliage. Rabbits munching away on my lavender and thyme. Any suggestions what I can do to discourage? I don't want to put up ugly netting. They're well seasoned, aren't they? Lavender <laughs> and rosemary. Lavender and rosemary. Um, well, really, look at the, the, the thing, thing to treat the plants with themselves is, um, what's it called again? The gra- right. Grazer. Or, uh, grazers. No, grazers. Grazers, you're right. Yeah, grazers. So there's a treatment called grazers that specifically is for rabbits, hares, deer, um, and that stops them munching plants. So you can spray it on the lavender and rosemary and it'll stop them Stop the living stop, it. Stop the yeah, yeah, yeah. There's calcium in it. It's safe to use on edible plants. You can use the rosemary and lavender yourself afterwards. So it's quite safe. So you're right. Grazers is the treatment. Helioborus um, yeah. with a white dust like stuff on the leaves. What is this? Okay, well that's mildew, and and mildew is is um, quite common at the moment. Going back to my my point at the start of the program that you're going to see things like mildews, uh, botrytis on the on the um, barrows and that with this kind of humid, clammy weather. So Heliborus is a Christmas rose. It flowers at Christmas time out of doors and um, it can get mildew. What I would actually do with the plant is cut the foliage right back to near close to ground level. So it seems a bit drastic, but you're better off just to get rid of the mildew affected leaves rather than treating them. So cut it right back to within an inch of soil level give it a couple of feeds, you'll get fabulous new growth on the Heliborus and then put on something like the Fungus Clear or Rose Clear on the new foliage and you'll keep it perfectly clean because mildew is hard to get rid of. So that's my advice. Trim it back now. Within two weeks, three weeks, the Heliborus will come back into growth. And it's a great way of rejuvenating Heliborus anyway. Um, Normally after flowering in March, April, if they're cut back to soil level, mm. you get a far, a lovely, fresh new growth from the plant. Um, and uh, so that's my advice. Trim it back, feed it well, and then in August, give it a spray of, of a fungicide and it'll be perfectly fine. And now my heart goes out to this person. I sowed cabbage three times and the caterpillars keep eating it. <laughs> <laughs> the poor old caterpillar. The poor old caterpillar has to live too. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, so, what can you do for caterpillars? Um, safe options. You can use the PY spray, which is uh, is um, an organic based spray or natural based spray based on pyrethrum, which is comes from the chrysanthemum family. So that's very effective on caterpillars. And um, you can net 
if you don't use any spray, you can net the area to keep the white. It's a white butterfly that's landing on the on the foliage that's creating the the maggots or the caterpillars. And mm. um, so, if you stop that from happening, you'll stop the caterpillar. So, either use the PY spray to keep them clean, or um, cover them with fine netting, and um, you know that'll keep them protected. I've a lot of vi- uh, I've lost a lot of my my viola plants. Why would this happen? I fed them and didn't overwater them, says Joanna. Well, um, well. first of all, violas are in the pansy family. Mm. They're the same type of, of plant with smaller flower. They're not going to be, they're not long-lived plants. So if you get kind of three, four years out of them, that's generally the extent to their... They need to be replaced at that point. Every couple of years yeah. you need to replace okay. them. The other thing to do with them is after flowering is to trim them back, give them a liquid feed, and that helps to rejuvenate them. But that'll only that'll only work for, again, as I say, two or three years. Mm. But after that, they, they tend to get a bit spent and they tend to rot off. They pick up different um, leaf diseases and uh, problems like that. So see them as a short, or as a kind of relatively short-term plant. So every three to four years, you do need to um, replace them. They, they grow so simply from seed. So buy yourself a packet of seed for two or three euro. You get hundreds of plants from them. Or start some fresh young plants again because they're well worth growing. They give tons of colour, but see them as a, a two or three year uh, product really, yeah. okay. uh, amaryllis just finished flowering how do we take care of it now well the, if it's the indoor amaryllis what you what you need to do is give it a couple of liquid feeds now because a bit like most bulbs it starts to grow the, you'll see the leaves getting longer so for the next month or six weeks you need to liquid feed water as well build up the bulb for for uh, b- between now and August and at that stage you let it dry out completely let it return to its bulb um, give it a dormant period for about six weeks and then repot it again and start the whole process off again. So liquid feed it at the moment with Osmo Universal Feed for about four or five weeks and then from the middle of August onwards let it dry out completely in the pot, uh, save the bulb and repot it then maybe in September, early October. Okay. Uh, and you spoke about Uriopsis, I think, a few weeks ago. Uriops, yeah, Uriops. great plant. I tried uh, wondering how available they are. Well, um, generally when I mention them on the programme <laughs> they tend to run out now I do have actually a few plants at home myself so if we have a listener looking for them I'll, I'll give them a ring after okay. the show okay. Uriops a beautiful plant I know it's a funny name but it's got these daisy like yellow flowers and it literally flowers nearly 10 months of the year okay very good. and finally finally uh Treating my roses with Rose Clear. We started with roses, we'll finish with roses. Yep. Uh, rose Clear once a month. Did you say there's a better rose treatment to use or was I hearing things? Well, it's not necessarily that it's a there, better... Oh, there are options, <laughs> there are options. Well, the point I was making that is a good idea sometimes to change. If you're using Rose Clear on a regular basis, yeah. the plant tends or the can build up uh, immunity. It's a bit like taking antibiotics. Correct. So what I was recommending, I think, was to use Rose... Uh, uh, what was it? Rose Rescue, which is a similar treatment, but it's got different active ingredients in it. So it's like taking a, a different antibiotic. So it's often a good idea just to alternate between Rose Clear and Rose Rescue on your roses. Just you know, don't be using the same thing all the time. I suppose was the point I was making. So not that, it's not that one is better than the other, but both used together alternatively is a is a good option. Okay, great. Garlic as well. Garlic liquid. I should remind people if you have got roses. It, 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 it builds them up so strongly that rose I brought you in that yes. grower actually uses garlic right. liquid and look at the foliage how healthy it is and it does look fantastic and found it. brilliant rose Rachel Rachel we're <laughs> going to leave it there Rachel uh, back again for the final programme of the series or the current season anyway next Saturday Porik thanks very thanks, much thanks not at all good morning to you uh, that's it from me as well until next Saturday just after 7 do stand by on the way next Country Classics